0: Good evening and welcome to NUMA. This is the fourth installment of my series, Fall Asleep With Me, a series by which I hope to ease your transition from wakefulness and restlessness. To a peaceful, happy state of uninterrupted repose. My voice, as strong a soporific as any you'll find behind the counter of your local pharmacy, is all but guaranteed to guide you to sleep and, as a perfectly natural remedy, to spare you the undesirable side effects of those little chemical tablets for which we're all too conditioned to reach. Should it fail to do so, you'll have nonetheless enjoyed, as a compensatory gift, some of the finest literature ever written. This evening's episode, to which we'll dedicate the next half hour or so, is Hesiod's ancient masterpiece, works and days. Settle your mind. Turn down or off the brightness of your screen. Close your eyes. Concentrate on two things, your breath and the sound of my voice. Tomorrow morning, when you wake fully rested, subscribe to this channel and leave a five-star rating, assuming we consummate our time together this evening with sleep. Without further ado... Works and Days by Hesiod Zeus was angry because Prometheus's crooked cunning had tricked him. On that account He devised grim cares for mankind, he concealed fire, the noble son of Iapetus stole it back for men from Zeus, the resourceful, in the tube of a fennel, eluding the eye of Zeus whose sport is thunder. In anger, Zeus, the cloud-gatherer, spoke to him. Son of Iapetos, clever above all others. You are pleased at having stolen fire and outwitted me. A great calamity both for yourself and for men to come. The set against the fire, I shall give them an affliction in which they will all delight as they embrace their own misfortune. So saying, the father of gods and men laughed aloud, and he told renowned Hephaestus at once to mix earth with water, to add in a human voice and strength and to model upon the immortal goddess's aspect the fair, lovely form of a maiden. Athena, he told to teach her crafts, to weave the embroidered web and golden Aphrodite, to shower charm about her head in painful yearning and consuming obsession. To put in a good mind and a knavish nature, that was his instruction to Hermes, the go-between the dog-killer. So he ordered, and they all obeyed the Lord Zeus son of Kronos. At once the renowned ambidexter, molded from earth the likeness of a modest maiden by Kronos' son's design, and the pale-eyed goddess Athena dressed and adorned her. The graces and the lady temptation put necklaces of gold about her body, and the lovely haired spirits of ripeness garlanded her about with spring flowers. Pallas Athena arranged all the adornment on her body. In her breast, Hermes fashioned lies and wily pretenses and a knavish nature by deep thundering Zeus's design. And he put in A voice, did the herald of the gods, and he named this woman Pandora, all gift, because all the dwellers on Olympus made her their gift, a calamity for men who live by bread. When he had completed the precipitous, unmanageable trap, the father sent the renowned Hermes to Epimetheus, taking the gift, swift messenger of the gods. Epimetheus gave no thought to what Prometheus had told him, never to accept a gift from Olympian Zeus, but to send it back, lest some affliction befall mortals. He accepted, and had the bane before he realized it. For formerly, the tribes of men on earth lived remote from ills, without harsh toil and the grievous sicknesses that are deadly to men. But the woman, Pandora, unstopped the jar and let it all out and brought grim cares upon mankind. Only hope remained there, inside in her secure dwelling. Under the lip of the jar, and did not fly out, because the woman put the lid back in time. By the providence of Zeus, the cloud-gatherer who bears the aegis. But for the rest, countless troubles roam among men. Full of ills is the earth, and full the sea. Sicknesses visit men by day, and others by night, uninvited, bringing ill to mortals silently, because Zeus the resourceful deprived them of voice. Thus, there is no way to evade the purpose of Zeus. If you like, I will summarize another tale for you, well and skillfully, mind you take it in, telling how gods and mortal men have come from the same Starting point. The race of men that the immortals who dwell on Olympus made first of all was of gold. They were in the time of Kronos when he was king in heaven, and they lived like gods, with carefree heart, remote from toil and misery. Wretched old age did not affect them either, but with hands and feet ever unchanged, they enjoyed themselves in feasting beyond all ills, and they died as if Overcome by sleep. All good things were theirs, and the grain-giving soil bore its fruits of its own accord in unstinted plenty, while they at their leisure harvested their fields in contentment amid abundance since the earth covered up that race. They have been divine spirits, by great Zeus's design, good spirits on the face of the earth, watchers over mortal men, bestowers of wealth. Such is the kingly honor that they received. A second race after that, much inferior, the dwellers on Olympus made of silver. It resembled the Golden One neither in body nor in disposition. For a hundred years, a boy would stay in the care of his mother playing childishly at home. But after reaching adolescence and the appointed span of youthful manhood, they lived but a little time and in suffering because of their witlessness. For they could not restrain themselves from crimes against each other. And they would not serve the immortals or sacrifice on the sacred altars of the blessed ones, as is laid down for men in their various homelands. They were put away by Zeus son of Cronos. angry because they did not offer honor to the blessed gods who occupy Olympus. Since the earth covered up this race in its turn, they have been called the mortal blessed below, second in rank, but still they too have honor. Then Zeus, the father, made yet a third race of men, of bronze, not like the silver in anything. Out of ash. Trees he made them, a terrible and fierce race, occupied with the woeful works of Ares and with acts of violence. No eaters of corn, their stern hearts being of adamant, unshapen with great strength and indescribable arms growing from their shoulders above their stalwart bodies. They had bronze armor, bronze houses, and with bronze they labored as dark iron was not available. They were laid low by their own hands, and they went to chill Hades' house of decay, leaving no names. Mighty though they were, dark death got them, and they left the bright sunlight. After the earth covered up this race too, Zeus, son of Cronos, made yet a fourth one upon the rich pastured earth, a more righteous and noble one, the godly race of the heroes who are called demigods our predecessors on the boundless earth. As for them, ugly war and fearful fighting destroyed them. Some below seven gated Thebes, the Cadmian country, as they battled for Oedipus's flocks. And others it led in ships over the great abyss of the sea to Troy, on account of lovely-haired Helen. There, some of them were engulfed by the consummation of death But to some Zeus, the father, son of Cronos, granted a life and home apart from men, and settled them at the ends of the earth. These dwell with fair free heart in the isles of the blessed ones beside deep swirling oceanus fortunate heroes for whom the grain-giving soil bears its honey-sweet fruits thrice a year Would that I were not then among the fifth men, but either dead earlier, or born later. For now it is a race of iron, and they will never cease from toil and misery by day or night in constant distress, and the gods will give them harsh troubles. Nevertheless, even they shall have good mixed with ill. Yet Zeus will destroy this race of men also when at birth they turn out gray at the temples. Nor will father be like children, nor children to father, nor guest to host, or comrade to comrade, nor will a brother be friendly as in former times. Soon they will cease to respect their aging parents and will rail at them with harsh words, the ruffians, in ignorance of the gods' punishment. Nor are they likely to repay their aging parents for their nurture. First law men, one will sack another's town. And there will be no thanks for the man who abides by his oath or for the righteous or worthy man, but instead they will honor the miscreant and the criminal. Law and decency. Will be in fists. The villain will do his better down by telling crooked tales and will swear his oath upon it. Men in their misery will everywhere be dogged by the evil emotions of that envy who exults in misfortune with a face full of hate. Then, verily off to Olympus, from the wide pathed earth, veiling their fair faces with white robes, decency and moral disapproval will go to join the family of the immortals, abandoning mankind. Those grim woes will remain for mortal men, and there will be no help against evil. The eye of Zeus that sees everything and notices everything observes even this situation if it chooses and does not fail to perceive what kind of justice even this is that the community has within it. As things are, I cannot wish to be righteous in my dealings with men, either myself or a son of mine, since it is bad to be a righteous man if the less righteous is to have the greater right. But you, Perseus, must take in what I say and Hearken to write, forgetting force all together. For this was the rule for men that Kronos laid down, whereas fish and beasts and flying birds. Would eat one another, because right is not among them. To men he gave right, which is much the best in practice. For if a man is willing to say what he knows to be just, To him, wide-seeing Zeus gives prosperity. But whoever deliberately lies in his sworn testimony, therein, by injuring right, he is blighted past healing. His family remains more obscure thereafter, while the true sworn man's line gains in worth. I will speak to you as a friend, foolish Percy's. Inferiority can be Got in droves easily. The road is smooth, and she lives very near. But in front of superiority, the immortal gods set sweat. It is a long and steep path to her, and rough at first. But when one reaches the top, then it is easy for all the difficulty Must restrain your blight witted heart altogether from those things. Make sacrifice to the immortal gods according to your means in holy purity and burn gleaming thigh bones and. At other times, propitiate them with libations and oblations, both when you go to bed and when the divine light returns, so that they may have a propitious heart and mind towards you, that you may. Negotiate for others' allotments, not another man for yours. Invite to dinner him who is friendly and leave your enemy be. And invite above all him who lives near you. For if something untoward happens at your place, neighbors come ungirt, but relations have to gird themselves. A bad neighbor is as big a bane as a good one is a boon. He has got good value, who has got a good neighbor. Nor would a cow be lost but for a bad neighbor. Get good measure from your neighbor, and give good measure back. With the measure itself, and better if you can. So that when in need another time, you may find something to rely on. Seek no evil gains. Evil gains are no better than losses. Good night, sleep well, and I'll see you next time, Anuma.